Okay, here we go. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Curious Creative Conversations, an interview series with various members of New York's artistic community exploring their point of view on their work and its impact. Today we're out of the man-made music studios with Paige Evans, the artistic director of Signature Theater. Thank you, Paige, so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. So the last time I saw you was at the end of my internship at LCT3, mm-hmm. and now you've moved into this big, beautiful new space here at Signature Theater. Um, so I was hoping that you could begin by telling me what that transition process has been like and mm-hmm. how the move from LCT3 to Signature has been for you so far. Okay. Well, I'm still at the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. It's only been two weeks that I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the transition process overall has been a lot longer. I was appointed in January, Mm -hmm. um, so I had about six months when I knew that I was coming into this job, Mm -hmm. and so I started having meetings and getting to know people here. So I had both individual meetings with board members and met with the Mm -hmm. staff and and really started acquainting myself with how things work here and all Mm -hmm. of that before I even came on site. And now I've been here in the office for two weeks. And it's really exciting. It's been strange. You know, it's always strange to be in a new Mm -hmm. place and with theaters, this is now the third professional theater that I've worked mm-hmm. at. I was at Manhattan Theater Club for a long time and kind of rose through the ranks there and then LCT3 for eight years and, and now here. And I think theaters, each one, you know, there are some similarities in the mm-hmm. way that they work and then they're very distinctive, yes. um, both in terms of the makeup of the staff, how things are run, mm-hmm. um, the kind of principle behind the way things are done and uh, the orientation. So um, I'm finding my way with that right now, figuring out uh, the way things have been working here and and how I might want to make changes. And how has the transition from being the founder of a program, as mm-hmm. we were at LCT3, to moving into the founder's shoes right. for a signature? Is there like something distinctly different about that and like knowing that you're stepping in? Yes, to- very different. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, At LCT3, when I got to Lincoln Center Theater, LCT3 didn't exist. So I came up with the name LCT3 and the tagline about new artists, new audiences, and really shaped Mm -hmm. what it is and, um, and how it existed within the institution of Lincoln Center Theater. Um, And that took a couple of years, really, for people there who had been doing things a certain way for a long Mm -hmm. time to understand what this was and sort of embrace it and and all of that. We had to have several productions, I would say, kind of Mm -hmm. under our belts before everybody really embraced it. And here, I'm coming into a big organization uh, that has a large staff, um, larger than Lincoln Center Theaters, actually, I think, overall, or the, you know, I'm not sure body count, but pretty comparable, and uh, overseeing all the whole Mm -hmm. institution. So it's a different thing, and things have been done a certain way. At LCT3, things were done a certain way at Lincoln Center Theater, but I was able to... Um, form how they were done at LCT3 uh, because it didn't exist yet Um, within the confines Mm -hmm. and and the realities of Lincoln Center Theater. Here I'm coming into a theater that first of all expanded hugely about four years ago so Mm -hmm. I think they're still finding their footing in some ways on that. 
um, but also things are done a certain way and um, I'm just kind of gathering information right now mm -hmm. seeing you know if I think you know I want to make changes and sure. how. Well LCT3 is a theater that as you said is new artists new mm -hmm. audiences is really dedicated to burgeoning artistic talent mm -hmm. but Signature also has a history of dedication to playwrights yes correct absolutely and within that similarity though I'm sure there's a large difference between yeah. the audience that was at LCT3 and the audience that was at a Signature show or yeah. is that not necessarily the case well I think the audience and also the the artists and how the collaborations with the artists work one of the things at LCT3 that was really exciting was that it was mm -hmm. You know, we were constantly looking for new talent mm -hmm. and bringing the the mission of LCT3 was to bring new artists to Lincoln Center Theater mm -hmm. and give them full productions and then hopefully have them work on the other stages. And while it was extremely exciting to be introducing artists um, to Lincoln Center Theater and giving them that opportunity, um, which for a lot of artists, even if they had, you know, quite a bit of experience, it was still a different level of, mm -hmm. of exposure. A and new platform, yes, for sure. Yes, exactly, and production. Um, so that was really exciting. For me, as artistic director of it, one of the things that was challenging in that mission and scenario was that, you know, when you collaborate with artists, you get to know them, you, just, you establish a dialogue and trust and a mutual understanding, and then by the very mission of the program, I really couldn't work with them again. So every single oh. time I was starting new. Sure. Here, the mission at Signature is to work with an artist, a playwright, mm -hmm. um, on a body of work. So there is a commitment to three productions or more um, oh, wow. for every playwright. Yeah. So they're in residence for three productions. So that, to me, is a really exciting prospect mm -hmm. that I get to cultivate these collaborations and relationships and mm -hmm. then build on them. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And mm -hmm. I think it's really exciting to be able to show a writer's you know, body of work mm -hmm. in, in a way that a museum might, where you're seeing right. early work and then you're seeing more contemporary work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, Are there th other theaters that do that? No. That seems no. like an extremely it's, it's unique singular. approach. Yeah, it is. And so there are three different residency programs mm -hmm. now since Signature has expanded. It used to do three productions a year, same as mm -hmm. LCT3. So it was about that size before. And um, it would just be of one writer, three mm -hmm. productions by one writer. Now... Since there are three stages here, so it's a lot. There's a lot more spaces and a lot more opportunities for productions. Um, there are three different residency programs: the Res One, which is those three productions of one writer in a short time period, generally okay. over a year. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's Res Five, which is supposed to be all new work um, and three plays over the course of five years. I'm I'm going to tinker with those and, mm -hmm. and how exactly they're done without tinkering with the basic mission, sure. which is the dedication to the playwright and the playwright's mm -hmm. body of work. So this really is an artistic home in a way that not many theaters are, I think, with that commitment. And then there's a legacy program of bringing back playwrights who have, for Fantastic. example, they did a play of Arthur Miller's last mm -hmm. year. He had been in residence a number of years ago. So, um, so it's a different way of programming um, mm -hmm. than I've ever done and than most theaters do because you're really committing to a writer and then mm -hmm. choosing within that yeah. place that you're going to be working with them on and producing. So then how are you balancing your 
particular point of view and what you like to see in theater mm -hmm. based on the artist that would best benefit from Signature? Mm -hmm. I guess is that the consideration you have to take into account is like, I enjoy their work, but Signature is not the right place for them since this is such a specific program mm -hmm. as opposed to just picking plays that an audience may want or need to see? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a commitment to the writer's work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's always a matter of taste of the artistic director, but obviously I'm, I'm going to try to bring writers here who I think are exciting and who I think will be exciting to the Signature audiences. Mm -hmm. The other component of Signature, which is similar to LCT3, is that all the tickets are $30. So it gets yeah. a very both generationally and socioeconomically diverse audience, which is terrific, more so than almost any place that I've been in the city. So I think mm -hmm. that's a really exciting thing, and we are very committed to, to keeping. It's challenging in some ways, yeah. um, but I think it's a really important uh, mm -hmm. aspect of this theater. So when you are looking at the artists that you're going to invest in and whose playwriting you're inspired by and want to continue to foster, mm -hmm. What is it about their writing that tends to strike you? Are you someone who are like dynamic characters mm -hmm. sell you every time? Is it, you know, looking at theatrical devices that have never been used before? Mm -hmm. Is it just like a particular voice or prose or what is it that lights you? I would say it's the characters and the writing, which is a very mm -hmm. vague statement. But, I, you know, if, if I respond to the writing, and I think I respond to a fairly eclectic mix of writing, mm -hmm. um, I don't respond to something that feels like it's all voice. Um, I, I really mm -hmm. do respond to a strong voice, but I want it to be saying something. I like some story or mm -hmm. arc over the course of the play. Um, and, and the characters. Um, so, you know, there's... I just want to be able, you know, feel excited by by the mm -hmm. writing. So, and for you, I know that people use theater in a myriad of ways mm -hmm. as um, a way to discover identity politics, for social change, um, or just for entertainment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have a personal point of view on what theater's function is as an mm -hmm. art form. No, I don't have a strong, <laughs> I, I don't feel it's purely for entertainment. I think theater, certainly the theater that interests me, I think um, engages an audience, uh, not purely, I, I always want it to be something that's entertaining in some way, which doesn't necessarily course, mean yeah. easy. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, theater is not a passive art form for the audience. There is a different mm -hmm. level of engagement between the audience and the actors and the audience and, and the playwright and, and mm -hmm. director. And um, that is the exciting thing about theater, that it's live and everybody's in the same room together. Mm -hmm. So um, I like theater that is couldn't be done in other art forms. You know, occasionally mm -hmm. a play will feel like, oh, this feels like a sitcom, and then, sure. you know, or that... This could have been a great short story. Yes, yeah. exactly, and then those are probably better served, the pieces of mm -hmm. writing, in those forms. So I do respond to things that feel like it's really theater, and, mm -hmm. and that's why somebody is writing in that medium. Um, but beyond that, I would say I have a fairly eclectic range of taste. I do like things that take on some kind of complicated mm -hmm. issue. It can be a personal thing. You know, I, I have no aversion to family plays. It's certainly not right. the only kind of play that I respond to. You know, I sometimes if something is exploring a political issue, I think that can be really exciting, but I mm -hmm. don't want to feel like I'm reading a newspaper article. Um, so it has to come alive theatrically or dramatically mm -hmm. in some way. And in reading 
plays. I guess my question then is, how do you know that this is going that something is going to come alive on stage? Yeah. Like, what is your signal for that? That this isn't just beautiful prose mm-hmm. because a, a novel can have a visceral reaction for you. A poem even mm-hmm. can elicit a strong response or make you engage with the form. So what is it that you see that you're like, aha, that needs to be on stage? Right. Um, well, I will say I don't, it's it's sort of like the Supreme Court Justice said about pornography. I, I don't know how to describe it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, sure. I've been doing this for so long. I've read so many plays. My focus has always been new work. I've read so many plays which have been produced at the theaters where I've worked mm-hmm. or been produced on stages around New York City and around the country and then seen them staged. And so I have a pretty strong instinct when I'm reading something mm-hmm. about how it might come alive on stage. Obviously, the different collaborators always bring things to it. Absolutely. Um, and that's one of the really exciting things about the art form, I think, mm-hmm. is that people bring things that the playwright wouldn't have imagined. That's mm-hmm. why I think it's not generally a good idea for a playwright to direct his or her work. I think yeah. it's much better for someone else to come in and bring their insight and uh, and ideas um, as long as it serves the play and the playwright feels it serves the play. And I, and that's another thing about signatures. The playwright is really front and center in all of those discussions. It's mm-hmm. very much an emphasis on, on the playwright. I would say one more thing about what I respond to. I do like humor in plays. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it doesn't, I found at LCT3 that I think that was probably the common thread between almost all the mm-hmm. work that we did was that they, Oftentimes it was on more serious or provocative uh, subject matter themes, Mm -hmm. but there was always humor in it. Um, and it wasn't punchline humor, right. so that the actors would be kept on their toes every night because the audiences would respond differently mm-hmm. every night and laugh in different places and that sort of thing. Um, which does, it can be a little unsettling, I think, sometimes, but it can also really keep, keep it alive. Mm-hmm. Makes sense since everyone responds to everything individually, as we're all individuals. Yes. Um, yeah. But when you, I always struggle when I feel canned jokes coming up. Exactly. But um, but Yeah. And you'll even see it in movies where like the pacing gets completely off mm-hmm. kilter because they're setting up for a punchline, right. and you're in a theater and no one laughs. And uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it can be incredibly painful. Um, so when you are reading these plays, then do you see them in your head? Like, do you watch them almost like a movie? No. Sometimes I'll I'll see visual. You know, I'll imagine mm-hmm. if it's in a certain place what that place might look like. But it's more I. Th- the characters come alive for me if if they are well and distinctively written um, mm-hmm. and that's another thing you know if I'm reading a play where everybody seems and sounds the exactly same. the same mm-hmm. that's not a good sign um, so uh, I have a pretty strong sense when I read a play whether you know I certainly have a strong sense about my own taste and what mm-hmm. I respond to whether other people are going to respond to it in the same way is always a question and right. whether it's going to come to life in the way that I imagine it might be mm-hmm. you know you never know that until you get into it well, I feel like that would be a primary struggle of being an artistic director mm-hmm. is not necessarily imposing your taste, mm-hmm. but advocating for your taste yeah. in a way that's not just what you want to do because you want to do it, mm-hmm. but because it applies to a larger scale yeah. audience. Yeah, that it would resonate with an right. audience. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I do, you know, when I'm reading a play, I do think about in the world now and mm-hmm. here in New York today, you know, will this, will this resonate? Mm-hmm. And again, you can't always anticipate how audiences right. are going to 
react, but yeah, you do have to be able to stand behind any choice mm -hmm. and really feel like, you know, you made it for good reasons. And thinking about, you know, theater in the context of New York or culture today, do you feel a pressure to change or adapt in any way given the lack of attention span or the dwindling attention span of youth <laughs> and you know, the growing like digital era or you know yeah. do you just want to have everyone throw their cell phones in a locked bucket <laughs> walking into a theater you know is there a, a tension and struggle with digitalization or is that something that you're thinking actually hasn't really applied all that much and theater has kept somewhat pure I don't think it's applied that much. I think it's an ongoing evolution. And, mm -hmm. you know, the role that technology plays in theater in lots of different ways, even on stage, using projections, mm -hmm. using updated technology, sound and light, all of that is always changing. And I think sometimes theater can have a good relationship with technology. You know, sometimes I'll see something where the projections really work and it enhances the experience theatrically and visually. And like Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime yeah, where I felt absolutely. like that really the design of that and the technology involved really gave me a strong sense of what it might be like for that young man. Absolutely. Um, and in his mind. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sometimes I feel like, wow, that would have worked so much better in a film. Um, mm -hmm. And why is it on stage? Um, in terms of in the audience, cell phones, it does drive me crazy if somebody's sitting there texting next to me during a play. I find the light very distracting. I think, why mm -hmm. are you here if you're right. you know, not paying Somewhere attention else. and all yeah. of that? Yeah. But it hasn't really been that, that part of it hasn't been that big an issue. And actually, you know, 15 years ago, it felt like theater might be really on the wane in terms of um, both audiences and artists. It felt mm -hmm. like television, kind of there was a brain drain. If there was an exciting new playwright, they would get scooped up and go right in LA. Mm -hmm. And it was 26, it was all um, network television at that point. So 26 yeah. episodes a year. So they'd, ha they'd be morning to night writing mm -hmm. television. Um, oftentimes sitcoms, and if they wrote a play, it would feel like a sitcom, and generally they didn't have time to write for a play. Now, it's a much more symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. between theater and television particularly. They're looking for playwrights, talented playwrights. Mm -hmm. Almost all of the really good new shows have a lot of playwrights on their staffs. There are only 12 episodes a year, or however many episodes, so right. playwrights can totally do that with, in a combination with writing for theater. And in fact, the TV shows, there's a cachet to someone writing for theater, so they allow the playwrights to chisel out time for rehearsal mm -hmm. and production and all of that. Um, and it's good. The television's so much better now oh, great. that that it really doesn't mm -hmm. in any way, I think, damage some, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. that sounds... But it used to, it Take felt away. to me like, yeah, it, it uh, had a negative impact on someone's playwriting. I don't mm -hmm. think that's true at all anymore. So I think it's actually a very symbiotic relationship now overall with, with television writing mm -hmm. and theater, which is great because it's hard to support yourself as a playwright. Absolutely. And so this can make it possible for playwrights mm -hmm. to really earn a living and, and uh, have a good quality of life. Um, and, and something yeah. I'm seeing is you know you're referencing it's difficult for a playwright to make a living as a playwright mm -hmm. um, signature and lct3 both have great initiatives for having affordable tickets mm -hmm. but at least to the viewer's perspective mm -hmm. it seems like there is a difficult entryway into mm -hmm. the world of the arts yeah. and making that 
a viable career or a, even a viable hobby. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you have a particular point of view on how you think that that needs to change. If it needs to change, mm -hmm. how do you make people invest in the arts so that it is accessible to less advantaged voices? Mm -hmm. or, and, or if there is a lack of those voices or if they're right. fighting through regardless. Yeah. I mean, I would say just, you know, sort of along the lines of what I was saying before about I think this right now, it may not feel that way to somebody mm -hmm. who's young kind of coming <laughs> into it, but this is a, a very fertile period for the American theater. There's mm -hmm. a lot more good quality new work going on of all different kinds, devised work, traditional theater work, a lot of different... Um, approaches towards theater that are happening now at a mm -hmm. very high level um, and real quality. And, you know, again, 15 years ago, it felt like a brain drain. There were a lot of young artists mm -hmm. who would just be working on theater for a little while and then move on to different mediums. And now I really feel, you know, in my job at LCT3, I met all the time with young artists, young theater mm -hmm. artists. And there are a lot of young people who are really passionate about theater and who want to make theater for what theater does. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, that's partly because of programs like LCT3. You know, there are a lot of larger institutional theaters now that are actually offering productions. It's still very hard. You know, sure. it's still very competitive mm -hmm. and very hard. And it's hard to find a way to make a living and all of that. But there's a lot more opportunity now than there was mm -hmm. 15 years ago. And, um, and around the country, theaters are producing more new work. Not mm -hmm. always world premieres, but there's a lot of funding for world premieres. They're cultivating audiences who are interested in new work. And even if it's not a brand new play, you know, if it's a play that did well in New York, like Disgraced, you know, gets yeah. produced around the country, that's still a new play. It's different mm -hmm. from just doing Tennessee Williams. Exactly. And I think there is a real audience for it now. And, and um, you know, a lot more theaters, theaters used to feel that new work was just too financially risky. Right. Um, because audiences didn't recognize the playwright's mm -hmm. name and all of that. And I don't think there's that culture nearly as much anymore. So, you know, That's it often, clear. I think regional theaters on a bigger scale, you know, like mm -hmm. the plays that get a lot of production, they have to have done well in New York. Mm -hmm. And if something doesn't do well in New York, that can be the kiss of death, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is a real which bummer. Which is, is a bummer. I don't yeah. mean to laugh at people's <laughs> dreams coming to the kiss of death uh, in any way. It's just, um, it's amazing how one city's I know. experience or response or attendance mm -hmm. to a show can, can really, really make or break yep. a huge experience. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, do you think that there's a a direction in which theater needs to go. I mean, it's great that it's no longer feeling as if it's being sucked dry by the television mm -hmm. industry and that those two are becoming more symbiotic, which actually is a really refreshing mm -hmm. way of um, thinking about kind of the oversaturation of media. Mm -hmm. If it's oversaturating in all directions, uh -huh. then that's a, a, a beautiful positive mm -hmm. that is rarely outlined. Um, but it, do you see another level where you want to see like only new work or, you know, boo-hoo to Tennessee Williams, uh -huh. or is there you know, a, a standard that you are seeing or looking for or a you know, uh, paradigm shift you would like to see mm -hmm. happen? No, no. I mean, I think there's room for all of it. I think, mm -hmm. you know, great classic plays are always going to be great classic plays. And, you know, they're, if they've got wonderful roles, you know, great actors will want to sink their teeth mm -hmm. into them and all of that. 
actors also love doing new work because they have a real impact on the character that they're playing and um, all of that. So I feel like, again, it's a very vibrant time in terms of a pretty far-ranging mix of work. Mm -hmm. I think when something really is bold stylistically and very unconventional stylistically, that's the, probably the greatest risk in mm-hmm. terms of being able to find audiences for it. And right. sometimes it really can. Um, but I think that's what audiences feel more challenged by, the, more than subject matter. It's really if something's got a difficult Aesthetic? stylistic, yes. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. And in this, um, rather tumultuous, I would mm-hmm. say, time we've been having at home and abroad. I think that's yeah. fair to say. Mm-hmm. When you see these world events roll out, do you ever pause and not necessarily reconsider, but evaluate art's place in that? If art is like, contributing to fighting those things, mm-hmm. if it's contributing to fueling those problems, if it's relevant at mm-hmm. all, where yeah. do you consider art when you look at those experiences. Right. Yeah, I mean, I have thought about that recently. Mm -hmm. This does seem like a particularly volatile uh, time in the world overall Mm -hmm. right now, and it's a scary time. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, I believe in art. You know, I Mm -hmm. have loved theater from when I was a child. It's been something that's been incredibly important to me. I've seen art that can really stimulate incredible conversation and give Mm -hmm. people different ways of looking at things you know something like when we did disgraced the most exciting thing about that play was that people walked out of the theater and wanted to talk about it and it really got people talking about what it means to be a muslim what it means to be a muslim in america all of that i don't you know i'm not one for agitprop i just don't you know i'm more interested in the art than um in delivering a, a message with it. I think you can do both in a very mm-hmm. artful way, but the, the artistic and artfulness is really what I'm what I'm most interested in. But I think exposure to art can be a really important thing in people's lives. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I think is really great at Signature is this $30 ticket where a lot of people who do feel sort of priced out of theater because it's expensive. Theater, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like most people who are involved with theater are making money hand over fist or anything. It's expensive to put it on with all those live people involved Mm -hmm. every night. Um, But uh, so that's why the ticket prices are high, but they're prohibitive um, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think for a broader spectrum of people to be able to engage with theater to me is a very Mm -hmm. exciting thing. Do I think it's like being in Doctors Without Borders? No. It's a different sure. thing. But I think there mm-hmm. there's a place for a lot of different things in life and, and in the world. And I do feel that, that culture is very important. And what would you like then your personal impact to be? Like how do you consider yourself in that larger context? I would say, you know, looking at my career overall and I hope moving ahead, really new work is is the place mm-hmm. where I feel like I've made the most um, of an imprint. Um, mm-hmm. I have really championed and produced and programmed a lot uh, a lot of new work um, over mm-hmm. the past 20 years and I'm, I'm very proud of that and the relationships with the artists but also the work itself and a lot of it has gone on to you know very long and good lives 
um, elsewhere and having a good production in New York really makes, makes a huge a difference sense. for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really where I feel I've had, you know, an impact and hope that I will continue to do so. We'll do more revivals here because mm -hmm. that's part of what Signature does. Mm -hmm. um, but we will continue to do a lot of new work too. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank um, you. At the end of every yeah. interview, I ask uh, seven quick, fun, rapid-fire questions. Okay. Right. Um, just to kind of break yeah. it up. Um, yeah. but wait, before we start this, I mm -hmm. want to know two kind of like additional rapid-fire yes. questions. One, if there's a show you saw recently that really stood out to you that you thought was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And two, if there's a show that you never need to see ever again. <laughs> like I don't you, know about the second <laughs> one, but... Um, I saw, um, I'll name two, and it's the same director, uh, Familiar at Playwrights Horizons, Denai mm -hmm. Guerrero's play uh, that Rebecca Tashman directed. She's someone mm -hmm. that we uh, hired at LCT3 to direct a play, and then she directed a play in the Mitzi. She's doing another mm -hmm. one in the Mitzi in the fall. She's terrific, and Familiar was fabulous. It may go to Broadway. It started at Playwrights. Um, and then she did a play a few months later called Indecent at the Vineyard, mm -hmm. which was, and Paula Vogel wrote it. They created right. it together. I thought it was incredibly beautiful and theatrical and very moving. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, okay. loved both of them. All right, I I'll won't make you answer. I, <laughs> I just thought maybe you're like, I've seen 30 renditions of A Midsummer Night's Dream. I could pass. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, which okay, I'll I've, go with that. Yeah, great. I feel that way, and I've seen maybe four, and I'm like, I get it. Um, okay, yeah. rapid fire seven yes. questions. Okay, if you could live anywhere for a year, where would it be? Paris. Fantastic. A book you'd recommend to a friend? Oh, there are so many. You know, the um, Elena Eros, My Brilliant Friend, mm -hmm. that it's a four novel series. Yes. Incredible. Okay. Loved it. Fantastic. A movie you would not recommend? Oh, there are many. Um, you know, I, I can't think off the top of my head. What? There, there are. A lot of movies I've seen over the years. I don't like big action films, you know, I would say. I don't know. Just blanket yeah. genre yeah. out. Okay, we're good. Uh, if you could do a profession other than your own, what would it be? I would be very interested in studying the brain. I'm not a science person, but I think the brain is so fascinating. Fantastic. So, yeah. Someone living or dead you'd like to have dinner with? Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, okay, so the last two go yeah. together. A moment you felt lost. Um, when I came back uh, after living in Cuba for two years and I was having a little boy and, and my marriage was falling apart. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and a moment you felt on track. I would say, you know, at when I'm working on a production and it's really the collaborations going mm -hmm. well with the different artists and, and the theater as a producing entity, that feels very like an organic flow that's really exciting to me. Fantastic. Okay, that's the seventh. Okay. So thank you so much. Well, I really sure. appreciate you being here. I this was great. I'll think about a film that I really didn't respond to. <laughs> Nothing's ever disappointed you. <laughs>